Supernaturalist podcast show. And now, here he is, Darren Stott. Hey guys, welcome to the Supernaturalist podcast show. This is the show that exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that that's why you're listening, is because it's your desire to see God's kingdom come, His will be done, established on the earth through your daily contribution. It's such an honor having you listening to the show today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor of a crazy, cool, amazing, awesome church called Seattle Revival Center, author of a book. Yep, I wrote a book, and you really should pick it up at thepatterninterrupt.com. That's thepatterninterrupt.com. Now, we are launching and serving fresh content every single week here on this podcast show, so make sure that you subscribe. That way, the latest content will flow right onto your streaming device, maybe your tablet a mobile phone or right on to your desktop computer. To do that, I've created a link. Just go to thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com and you could subscribe there. Also, while you're there, make sure that you leave a review. Reviews are a big deal when it comes to podcasts. Reviews are like the most effective word of mouth way to get the word out on on a show, it's because iTunes actually um, aggregates um, top podcasts based off of how people are reviewing um, podcasts. It only takes about a minute or two. You can give it one star. That means that you think that the show is kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing is off the chain. You're in for a special treat today as I hang out with Michael Danforth and the Daniel Company. This is an hour-long interview where we dive into all kinds of topics. We're just hanging out, kind of chatting, and you are invited to be a part of some wild, fun conversations. If you haven't met Michael Danforth, he is a prophet, teacher, modern-day Christian mystic. The dude is theologically sound, and yet he is going for it. He's really getting out there. Love his new covenant theology and his integrity when it comes to the prophetic. And if you've never heard Michael before, I'm sure you're going to love him as much as I do. If you want more information on Michael Danforth, check out his Kingdom Creators website. He spells creators with a K because he's that creative. Go to MTI, that's like Michael Thomas India, so mticenter.com. And also, make sure that you pre-order his new book that's coming out on how to forget unwanted memories. Without any further ado, let's go to my conversation with the amazing Michael Danforth here on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Michael Danforth, what's up? Darren, stop. Hey. Let's do this. Let's do it. Come on, man. Okay. This is going to be fun. And um, we're here with the Daniel Company interns. Yes. So say what's up, guys. Dude, you were like, you were chatting earlier, and I think you mentioned something about just like the media, and you were talking about polls and just all that. Like, it got got me thinking. I just like thinking about like the the whole influence of the media. Mm. You know, I'm not like one of these guys that's like anti media or like, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, but like, it's crazy the amount of influence that the media actually has on a culture. And I was just thinking about that, like how like how the media is able to like create like a reality. 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like right, it's, yeah. it's almost like, like there's times that I'm like watching the news and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, like this is ho- like, this is the way things are. And then I'm like, wait a second. I'm allowing for the media to like, you know, to like frame, like, like this is not how things are. Like they are like the media is painting and it's like, it could be the conservative media or the liberal media. So like, I'm not really like a Fox news guy. I'm not really a CNN guy. I'm like the bipolar pastor going between the two, like always mm-hmm. back and forth. Cause I'm always like, what's the other side of the coin? What's, and I was just thinking about like the whole thing of like how, 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 like the influence, the power of the media to really like frame like this storyline over a generation, over our nation, trying to state like this is reality. And um, so I've I, I just been thinking about it. and then how, how we kind of function underneath the, the government of media. Right. And how right. that influences our soul. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems that too, you know, obviously it's an attempt to conform people to an ideology. So, you know, they they will say something, but yet, you know, the agenda is to get that to sound like like their belief system. And in fact, I, I just saw something recently with uh, one of the one of the young guys that was a part of the uh, uh, the Parkland, you know, shooting thing or, you know, was there when it yeah, went yeah, on. Yeah. And I think it was Tucker that was interviewing him and he was saying, yeah, I was going to, they wanted me to share this stuff about what was going on. Next thing I know, they actually wrote something they wanted me to say. What? Yeah. Like, like a know, script. Yeah. Like they scripted it. Wow. Like they took out everything they did and then basically handed him and say, well, this is what we, we want you to say. And that's kind of what's going on. Right. But the thing I, I hit me today when we were uh, doing our uh, Daniel company deal was I believe the future of what polls is going to be is become prophetic declarations. So rather than just some polls are based on opinions. And so I think what's going to happen is there's a conversion that's going to take place. Interesting. Opinions are going to turn into prophetic declarations of a people of how they actually see something. So their perception is going to change. So right now, because it's kind of like that now, there's declarations. People are saying, oh, it's this or whatever. But I think the influence, the blinder, you know, that is over people's thinking or whatever, is just going to fall off. And then it take on a hold. Yeah, it's fascinating because um, what polls tend to be now are almost like a a persuasion tool Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to let the public know this is what the popular opinion is. So you should agree with the popular opinion. Otherwise, you're weird if you don't agree with the popular opinion. Right. Right. So oftentimes there's like such a bias within within the poll, you know, um, that you think you're the outsider if if you're not in agreement with that poll. So what you're saying is that like um, that that's going to shift and change yeah. into this place where polls are actually like a prophetic declaration. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, wow. and I think I think actually it stems a lot from the church, believe it or not, in this sense that you know when you go into a place and people are not on the same page of belief then sometimes you have leadership that tries to manipulate people into a place of belief. Wow. And so there is a persuasion there that's done out of that. Like, how do you think the church tries to do that? Like like through, you know, legalistic things, manipulations, you know, doctrinal (laughs) things like, you know, and you don't believe it, you know, and they do this, you know, okay, I do, I do, I believe it, you know, I believe it now. (laughs) And then, I mean, I don't, but I do. (laughs) Right. Right. I'll say, (laughs) and everybody in the audience is like, yeah, they got it. Yeah. 
God, I got it. And they walk out thinking, I didn't know a thing that was going on, you know. Right, so, right. unfortunately, you know, I always feel that we're kind of at the head of that, you know. And so we actually make room for those things to go on like that. And I think as it's changed, my point is, as we're no longer trying to manipulate people, you know, to uh, into a decision, but just letting the atmosphere, letting, you know, the gravity of how things are flowing and let them, you know, you know, move into that. Yeah. Cause everything's getting disrupted right now. Yeah. And that's most obvious within the, um, within the governmental sphere, but really I think who's getting rocked the most through Trump, but through president Trump, mm-hmm. I'll just be honoring here, you know, through president <laughs> Trump being in office, the media is getting rocked by this guy because yeah. he has bypassed the media for the most part. Yeah. The, 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 the way it's always been, he's totally disrupted that thing um, with Twitter. And so it's so funny because everyone's like, get him off of Twitter. But there's no, no one's going to get him off of Twitter. Yeah. Because he, he's, he's learned that he doesn't need the traditional mainstream media in order to have a voice. He can have a voice directly to the people. Right. Right through, right through his Twitter account. (laughs) Yeah. And 140 characters. Yeah. How many characters is Twitter? Yeah. 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 I think that's part of too, the idea of government going off the charts. So where there was a former pattern that people followed, it was like, no, this is a protocol. This is how you do this. That part of this government that came in was off the of the, the chart. So it, they didn't even know how to deal with it because, wait a minute, you're not following the pattern. He wasn't supposed to win. That's right. And their belief system was that if you don't follow this protocol, there's no way you're going to get in. And so it was off the charts. It was just saying, no, I'm not following that. We're just going with this. Actually, it's kind of a, if you think about it, uh, I think even the the Twitter thing is not a pre-planned thing. I think it was just something that he was doing and then it evolved into something like, how can you do that? You're trying to go around the system. You can't go around the system, you know, and, uh, so I, I was reminded one of the prophetic words the Lord gave me years back in 2012 that this government that is in play now, that they would say that we never, they never saw it coming. In other words, they didn't know how to deal with it. Like it came from a different angle. You know, it's almost like if you stand guard at all of these posts and all of a sudden it's like, how did you get in here? Like, oh, wow. we had all this guarded. How did you get in here? I didn't come the, the same way that you're used to. I came through. And that's the re, that's the coming of Christ. Like, he came in a way they didn't expect him. Wow. And so it said, had they known, they wouldn't have crucified him. Yeah. And anyhow, I just think there's a lot of that in play. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about, when you guys Google the uh, creator of Dilbert, I think it's Scott Adams. Is that right? I heard an interview with him and he was talking about, um, this is way before uh, President Trump got elected, way before. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought he was going get to ele- get elected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially right when he first started to run, everyone thought it was like a political stunt. Yeah, and what he said uh, uh, is, what he said is that uh, everyone's underestimating this guy because they're looking at him through lenses, uh, like political lenses. Yeah, right. So everybody's looking at this guy through the, through the lenses of a politician, but he's not. He's the furthest yeah. thing from a politician. He's a businessman. And so he, he, so what he's doing now isn't about now. What he's doing now is sowing the seed for like he's 10 moves down. Yeah. Like, you 
yeah. know, and in in politics, it's not usually like that. You know, like, right. like politics, you do these big things for the shake up here and now. Um, and what he said is that uh, he said, I think, I think, I think Donald Trump is going to surprise everybody because as long as you look at him like a politician, th- then you will underestimate him. Yeah. But if you look at him like a businessman, then you will see that that he's like he's willing to take tremendous like sacrifice. He's willing yeah. to sacrifice tremendously in the present mm-hmm. because wow. he's got such a clear outcome. Yeah. Oh, the, actually, the, the example that he gave is like like everyone like he's talking about building a wall. He's talking about all this like like the all like stuff that everyone just thought he was crazy. Like yeah. like the the statements that he was making. But he's like, so if you're thinking like a politician, that's just dumb. This yeah. is just this. But if you're thinking like a businessman. You're never going to go, if you're asking for a million dollars, you're never going to go and ask for a million dollars. You're going to go and ask for a billion. Yeah. And then when you get your million, everyone's going to think, ha ha ha, he only got his million. And the businessman has the twinkle in his eye. He got exactly what he wanted. So everybody feels like they got a good deal. Whoa. Right. You know, because he came in yeah. asking for a billion. But yeah. the businessman leaves the room get with exactly what he wanted all along. Yeah. You know, it too, it's pretty amazing. He's, he, people have likened him, you know, people have likened him to, you know, at least in the Christian world, like a Cyrus or, you know, different characteristics of old. I felt like one of the things God showed me that he was like a David because one of the things that he's doing, it's foundational. So an old foundation is removed and a new one is built. And I think part of what you're, what you're describing there is part of that new foundation that's being laid. And uh, I felt like one of the things the Lord showed me is that in this sense, he's like a David. And so he establishes something, but there comes a time when there's no more war. And one of the things I've been leaning into is because even again in the church, a lot of times people are war mentality have a war mentality <laughs> totally right yeah, yeah, yeah and so it's like god trying to bring them out of that war mentality and bring them into a peacemaker bring them into wisdom wow. and understanding wow and so the shift i believe is as he's laying a foundation for peace so in that sense david prepared the foundation for solomon mm-hmm. who when he came in wisdom began to reign you know at a, at a level that they would never seen and i believe that the future foundation that when he's that time trump is actually done president Trump has done that a foundation will be laid for peace and that Israel is a key factor in that but I I really believe we're coming into a time that there will be such an intense foundation of government that like the days of old that when Moses died and Joshua went on that the enemy laid down the weapons in advance because of the reputation that preceded them so I feel that there's a reputation that's going to uh, precede this government now as well as the church we're coming out of old representations how people viewed the church didn't you know because it was so legalistic religious all of this stuff and so they just didn't want to have anything to do now all that's being redefined and so it's opening up a gateway for them to posture themselves in a way toward the heart of god that you know they normally wouldn't so yeah that's fascinating that's, that's absolutely fascinating and then you have um oprah so what's what's going on with her like so she like right like she's right uh everyone's talking about oprah like, right yeah positioning yourself and um and you know a lot of people are like Oprah please she could never but that's what everyone said about Donald Trump right you know, yeah. so like so couldn't you see an election between Donald Trump and o- Oprah I mean and how would that work like is that even her real name would it be like President o- like her her real name is like Martha O'Donnell or something? no, no I, I don't even know I, yeah. I'm totally making that up right but like how how would that even 
yeah. play out. Like, well, you know, when President you're Beyonce, like, you're right. Like, yeah. When you're saying that, I'm seeing former governments where like they, how intense <laughs> this was, like they're competing. Imagine a government coming in a place where the sign says no contest. And so I feel for that part of the future transitions of government, like even when uh, President Trump runs again, I feel that's going to be a no contest. I've, and the, con, the no contest is based on the fact of influence. If someone if someone breaks a barrier of influence to where their influence reaches a, a, at a level that is like beyond anything they known or have known, then they walk up to that and go, I can't compete against that. And to me, that is a revelation of the kingdom of God increasing the earth because from God's perspective, it's no contest. Yeah. And as we come up into that mind, people look at like the enemy, we're competing with the enemy sure. when in fact, we're not it's a, it's our perception it's a mentality so when we rise up into that understanding then we come into a no contest mentality and so I, I feel things are being prepped so when we go into this next season of election it's not going to be the neck to neck like it's been before because there was a lack of identity and there was really a lack of, of momentum about the future and all these things but now there's a gravitational force in the earth because of purpose and destiny and people relating to it and I'm I keep seeing the sign that says no contest really yeah they're like wow. they're no one like the tactic is this brings someone popular this brings someone that has influence to compete against this but their personality won't be strong enough to compete against a momentum of government that's actually manifesting something in the sense that is actually helping the people and repositioning them in a place where they're in increase and not decrease yeah, fascinating. It's gonna be fascinating. It's fascinating. Gonna be, it's gonna be so. It's gonna be so interesting. I mean, can you imagine just a debate between? I mean, and right. the thing is that you can't be you can't be mean to Oprah. I mean, like, can you imagine? Well, yeah. I mean, she's restricted by um, by Deepak Chopra. I don't think she's allowed to say anything negative. So it's gonna be an interesting election. Yeah. If she, I'm having fun. James is looking at yeah. me like, "What are you? She's under restriction. Yeah. yeah, she's got a, a Deepak Chopra rubber band around her wrist that she has yeah. to snap. Well, if and <laughs> if she says something yes, negative, main comment. I think she's a. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Margaret? Yeah. Yeah, she said. I think that from the past, there was a clip of that I had actually said that you know he would like her to be the running mate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's the. Yeah. The. He's like. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. So let's talk about Billy. Billy Graham. Um. Mm. You got. You got here on uh, Wednesday. Is is that right? No, you got here on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, and, Tuesday night. Yeah. Went. Yeah. So he passed away. Yes. And he passed away on Tuesday. Was it yesterday? Yes, yeah, so Tuesday. Wednesday. 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 Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember being a little kid and going to a Billy Graham um, crusade mm -hmm. with a bunch of people from our church, and um, and I remember like this family bringing an unsaved like family member and just like watching the whole thing go down. You know, and not never really being in an atmosphere. It was actually at the Kingdom. You know, remember the kingdom? Yeah. And uh, we had all these people from our church. And, um, you know, I you know, just remember him giving that altar call and just saying, like, mm -hmm. thousands of people, you know, go up to the go up to the altar. And I remember watching that lady that got invited from that, you know, her go up. She came back, you know, weeping. And just the, man, the kind of anointing right. that would, simple message, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Simple message. But, like, no matter how old he got, you know, like, you know, he might not as have been as charismatic, but that anointing yeah, yeah. still remained like that summoning anointing to come yeah. to the cross. 
I mean, that's, I mean, just, yeah. what a powerful, and then also just like the integrity of his ministry, you know, right. There, there was never no Billy Graham scandal. I and mean, they, they tried, they went after him, you right. know, they tried to, they tried to get him to, you know, it's just yeah. it's something else. I mean, what are you kind of sensing and discerning just around this, this whole kind of tra- this, this transition from him? Well, you know, I think in many ways he probably laid a foundation for love. Because Billy Graham, in that sense, his message was always very loving. In fact, I remember sometimes in the charismatic movements, it's like, oh, he's not confronting enough or whatever. But it was just a raw message of you need Jesus. You know, he loves you. And the simplicity of that, I think, was actually a preparation to bring in. Remember, there were prophetic words about, oh, the stadiums. This was after Billy Graham. Oh, the stadiums will be filled or whatever. I'm like, are you kidding me? The stadiums right. were filled with 50,000, 100,000 right. people, right? right? Right. It's like, you know, we've gone. Th- so it was just at a different site. So it was just at a different level. So I think in the sense of what he did, uh, he really broke, you know, that gateway in the sense of just like the simplicity. I mean, it reminded me of years ago when I went out of construction, I went right to the streets and just compelled to do that. And my message to the people was, do you know Jesus? You know, and they look at me like, "Yeah, dude, you had like a you went through like a crazy Todd White phase before there was a Todd White." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, I yeah, yeah. I just I just roamed the streets. I went in bars. They let me go in strip clubs. Yeah, and I would wait. They'd have me wait until the girls were done dancing. Yeah, and then I was the show. I got up there and I'd walk out. Oh, the wait, you'd actually go on the stage. Yeah, I, I could go on this. They'd let me go on the stage. Were you ever tempted to like swing around a pole? <laughs> right. Turn on your Bible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, so all the people are out there drinking, right, and yeah, doing their yeah, yeah. thing. So they would let me walk through the crowd and, give, awesome. pro- and give prophetic words over oh, people. I, didn't, I, I never heard that. Yeah, that's yeah. Incredible. So that's actually how I cut my teeth in ministry. It was I, so it wasn't a message like to minimize them or make them feel guilty. Sure, sure. So I just went in there and started edifying them, would prophetically speak over people, individuals' lives, and they'd literally have drinks in their hand. They'd be crying, you know, and everything. That's and awesome. You're, and you're just releasing the love of God, and so it became so impactful that all of these areas were were had a long reputation these bars of just drugs and everything they started closing down Whoa. and and uh one of the things that i used to do is my daughter amber who's now in her 30s she's in the medical field she would i would take her with me when she was like seven eight nine ten years old and she would walk with me in the alleyways and i would have her lay hands on people who were like getting ready to stick needles in their arms and have all this stuff and they and and the purity would cut was so strong on her life they were like they didn't want her to touch them because they felt undeserving wow. and but she would just like be praying in the spirit and lay hands on them and just a lot of deliverance and just crazy stuff would happen right? and when, when was this again like uh, this was in the 80s this was like in 89 you know uh had you stepped into, had you stepped into kind of like your real prophetic call yet no, actually, it's interesting, right? Even though I've, I've done this for a number of years, I felt like the Lord showed me a long time ago that, you know, there, there was a process that he would take me through. And he said, you know, you're, you're, the, the latter part of your life will be greater than the former. And he was teaching me about patience and letting things mature and grow. Because I kind of went out there like a lot of ministries, you know, jumping out there, going to international stuff, doing all this. And, and the person that impacted me was actually Paul Kane. Really? 
because years ago I was in Seattle, you know, and, and I went to a meeting that he was at because some people had told me about him, and I was sitting there listening to him speak and I just began to cry because the humility on him was so wow. intense wow. and it affected me and he was telling about his story how all of these ministries uh, uh, you know William Branham different people would actually have him come in and take over I have a meeting that they couldn't make or whatever and fill in and then the Lord spoke to him and told him to come away from it and he goes, I'm, you know, I'm saving you for another generation or another people. Wow. So he actually pulled back. He could have been at the forefront of all of that because wow. his gifting and all that was intense. So he actually pulled back for a number of years and then came out at a certain time when God released him. So God spoke to me through that. And he says, wow. if you will give me your time, if you will let me, you know, you can do certain things like marry the land, do that. But, you know, I don't want you internationally traveling and all that. So I surrendered to that for over, uh, actually, almost 20 years, maybe 18 years. And just in the last couple of years, started feeling the release of the Lord to move me out of that. Yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah, because like it, the, there was an anointing on you, and yet the Lord didn't really want to, you to go too public. Is that, is that right? Or, or he also kind of like kept you from too closely associating yourself with other type prophets. Yeah, and exactly. Like, he was like really like protecting yeah. you for... Yeah, I heard Cam Clement. I I, I was uh, f f uh, I was uh, knew Cam earlier on, like in in the late eighties. The same guy that brought Cam Clement to the United States was the guy that connected with me, and he says, "Yeah, when Cam came here, I gave him my credit card so they could move over here and stuff." Yeah. I was like, "Really?" His, his name was, jeez, uh, 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 Alan Higgins, and he's a New, New Zealand from New Zealand and he passed away you know probably about five years ago or so so he kind of embraced me and he he was like I didn't even know who I was you know all this sure, stuff sure. and he was he'd laugh and say oh Mike you know you're a prophet and this and that he was very apostolic yeah and he traveled all the world had all these works and stuff anyhow he gave me cassette tapes that were of Kim worshiping and wow. they were cassettes wow. I was in a motorhome driving down the road our dog was in the back bunk having puppies and I'm driving down the road two o'clock in the morning just crying listening to Kim worship and I was like that's it that's what I'm looking for and I remember Kim said this that if the enemy can't drive you out he'll try to buy you out Wow, interesting. And it impacted me. And that's what the Lord said. He said there was still a price tag on my head in the sense that I wasn't mature enough to to recognize it and that I would allow myself to be bought out to like, you know, the limelight or whatever stuff that was going on, whatever that meant. And so he said, give me time to work that in you, to develop that in you. And and and. And that's what I was doing every time somebody, yeah, y'all do that or whatever, you know. But what was happening is I was in danger of taking on another prophetic personality that was not my own. Right, right, right. And he showed me that there was an identity crisis in the land, in the church, and in the people. And he says it's important that you come up into your own identity. Yeah. And so I feel that when we do that, there's seeds that are planted that allow other people to come up into who they are without minimizing it, without looking at, oh, that's greater than me and all that stuff. So, yeah. What do you think? There's a real fine line, isn't there, between um, honor and idolatry? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that place where you honor, where you honor a prophet and you, and you receive a prophet's reward versus... 
right versus worshiping a prophet yeah. and then becoming a clone yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah no that's right that's right and it's a perversion of royalty wow because you know it's it it it's like there is kind of that royal thing in the kingdom but when you begin to serve it like in an unnatural way then it actually creates a lot of uh, dysfunction yeah. yeah, I'm longing for, um, uh, I met one time with James Watt. Did you ever meet James? Uh, From, he was part of the latter rain. Yeah, yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah he, briefly. he lived in the, in the area here. He passed away yeah. recently. And, and he would talk about the spirit of prophecy that would come down there in North Battleford on the students there at the, at the Bible school. And he said that he was part of that Bible school, and then he left. He heard about this move of God there. He came back a year later. He said, when I came back, these were people that I was, these were students, friends that I was with just a year prior, and with that had basically no, no prophetic flow. He goes, I, I came back a year later, and they were all getting names, addresses, he mm. said, because there was a spirit of prophecy mm. that came down on that, on that, mm. on that university, yeah. on that, on that Bible school, and um and I'm I'm really longing for that where we where we see whole communities yeah. Yeah. that step into yeah yeah I call that sonship it breaks the barrier <laughs> that's good it breaks the yeah. barrier of gifting right yeah yeah so yeah, you, yeah. you can that's operate it. and gifting's powerful and it's very needed but there's a sonship that operates wow. in that realm where it's really about sonship so there's people in the earth right now leaders that have that at heart and mind and I think one of the people that that demonstrate that well is Sean Bolts. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's about sonship. And so a, a son will look at a population not as an opportunity to become great, but as an opportunity to make them great, to bring wow. them up into their identity. Wow. And so in that sense, that's really a, a, a father's heart. You know, yeah. I, I remember I remember years back, uh, I just gave this brief word, word to him, whether it you know settled or impacted him or not. I, I know that he went through a time where people kept looking at him like a kid. You know, and and it was like, oh, when you get older, that type of thing. Wow. But I felt like the Lord gave me a word to him about taking on the uh, the father heart. Wow. And that the father heart would be, you know, wanting to pull people up. And so anyhow, that's his heart, right? He didn't want to just be, uh, use a gift to the people, but he wants to see it come through them. And so that's the posture taken. And I think anybody who takes that posture, that something happens where they actually begin to rise up. And so we remove them out of a subservient mentality wow. to the operation of gifting or so forth and go, no, you, you, we're all sons. You know, it's like that's what Jesus did, right? Greater things than these you can do and was bringing them up into the revelation of sonship. Wow. So to me, that's the frontier of not only the church, but in the government of these United States and the world that sons will begin to rise up and they will move into the realms of government. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, it's interesting because sons can 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 become fathers. Yes. And yeah. and fathers have have the heart to to disciple, to equip, and to empower. This is everything that I know, and I want to pour it into my son so that you can go beyond me. Yeah. But it's interesting because there is a there is kind of an orphan disposition. Yeah. And and it's interesting how, how sons can become fathers, but orphans can't become fathers. Orphans come into be, becoming like dictators. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about a dictator is that there is no equipping and empower. There is no. I'm going to pour myself into you because it's all about 
position yeah and power it's like yeah. it's in, in hierarchy and using using power to um to demand a certain level of of respect submission yeah you know that kind of thing so you can certainly see a major uh, paradigm shift in the church because it's it's been just in the last 20 30 years that at a certain point the the like the in quotations the anointed ones mm-hmm. right it was like they never really and that's that's a huge general stereotype and i don't want to be you right. know, too presumptuous with this <laughs> but there there was certainly this place of i i'm anointed who wants to touch me Right, you know, and nowadays there, there, are, and this is what I love about your your ministry, Michael, is that like when you come here, you're like, hey guys, this is what I'm learning, this is what I'm thinking on. I haven't even processed this yet, but the angel's speaking to me, so I'm just going <laughs> right. to share it with you. Right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. this like there's this generosity of information mm. and generosity of revelation. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, and I, and I just think that's a tremendous. And I agree with you about mm. uh, regarding Sean. Yeah. You know, it always cracks me up because he's always like, hey, anyone can do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah right. well, that's not exactly true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not yeah. yet. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> you know. the object. Yeah. And the reason he does that. Yeah. And the reason he does that is perception. Right. He wants to change their perception of who they are. Wow. If you begin to actually believe that you can do something, you actually can. Wow. So they yep. come into that. Right. So what it does is it lowers the pedestal down to that level or right. actually lifts them up to that level and says no we're eye to eye and we can do this thing and that you know that to me that really is the future in the sense of how when you were talking i was thinking about jesus when he came into the earth he said if you see me you've seen the father because they were like show us the father right Mm. so in this sense jesus was not only a son but he was actually a manifestation of the father wow so i believe that there is a there is a, a a a a coercing thing in the spirit where you can function as a son and the father. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that it's like you have, we feel like we have to make a decision, right? To be one or the other, but actually we're, we can be both. We can express the power of sonship, but also approach on the level of being a father to nations, to people. And so, but that was the demonstration of Jesus. Like, no, I and the father are one and the same. And I think that's what it's coming to is that people look at you and they go, Oh no, I, you know, I, I see God. I see Jesus. I, well, yeah, it's because we're one and the same. So we're, we're getting rid of all of those spaces in between that make people feel like, because what that does, it makes them feel like they're less than. And so it's all about elevating. Yeah. I, I like that so much. You know, and the thing about Jesus is, I mean, you're absolutely right. He was a son and, and a father. Yeah. And I, I've never thought about that. that that's, that's amazing. And because, and because he had that father heart, he was so quick to empower and to equip and to release. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about Jesus is like, he did this crazy stuff, right? Like all this crazy stuff all the time. And then he's like, and then he's like, and you will do the greater things like go and do it. And like, they would go out and, but it doesn't seem like Jesus ever really taught his disciples how. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know, have yeah. you ever thought about that? Like, do, do you think that yeah. the, the authors, like they, they, they wanted to leave that out? Like, do you think Jesus is like, right, yeah, go and cast it in. This is how you do, it. you know what I'm saying? Right. But like, yeah. Here's, here's the math equation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. Would you like, all right, just go and do it? Yeah, but he was like, you know, Peter, just get out of the boat, and walk a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, we uh, nowadays, you know, we're like the majority of our schools of ministry and the majorities of our discipleship. This, this is how to do it. Yeah. I think what he did too is he tapped into who they were already they were they just didn't get the memo 
So, you know, and I've always used that. You know, we were talking about that the other day, yeah, I like right? It. I like it. And so they, Jesus viewed them already as brothers. So what he did is he took a core of people to bring them into that brother relationship. Yeah. Like when he was speaking and it says, oh, your parents are looking for. And he's like, well, these are my brothers and sisters. Right. So his perception was that they were already that not just becoming that. Wow. And so when he sent them out, he actually sent them out as sons of God, not as people that were destined wow. to become sons. But becoming a son is actually coming into the revelation of sonship. Wow. Yeah. But from his perspective, they were already his brothers and sisters so it, it awakened something in them so when he sent them out they were actually able to begin to function in something that they didn't even know they could because he acknowledged them and so they were able to rise up in that think about this he acknowledged them they walked in that authoritative power in the realm that the way that they did before he went to the cross Right. So they actually manifested for the first time because in Old Testament time, they actually broke a barrier where that was the first time that they actually saw a, a group of, of, of people go out and cast out demons. And it said that when they came back, he rejoiced. He danced. He said and they were shocked. Wow. Even demons subject to your name. And he rejoiced because he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When in fact, he was projecting, seeing something that had already happened before time but knew that it was the first time that that demonic beings were confronted by the sons of God on a level that they had never seen before. Wow. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we look at that. I love that because because you're right. I mean that's like the way the way that he treated those guys. Mm -hmm. I mean is is so extraordinary. Especially yeah. looking at like and you said on that side of the cross. Yeah. You know, and so um and then also the level of trust that he trusted them like yeah. as 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 though they were brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when they're on the boat and they're going to the other side and the winds happen and all this stuff and he's asleep, right? Cuz he's not concerned about motion or movement that is contrary, <laughs> right? To to the direction that you're going, yeah. but he settles into who he is and they awaken him and he's bothered by the fact that they don't know who they are. Right. And he says, you don't, you don't realize who you are. In other words, again, that was an affirmation. You're already sons of God. Right. You just don't realize that. And so he demonstrates to them their ability and authority to deal with creation or to bring things into an alignment according to God's desire. The weather wasn't acting out of character. It was actually acting as if it normally does because it's subject to governmental climates, right? Things that are there. So he's like, you're the government. You you put it into line. And so I think that's just, again, part of that realization of us coming into that identity. That's why the church foundation is, is really going to go into a major shift, right? Because we still have this separate thing. And I think something's hit me here, too, just like we're sitting here yeah, talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in this room, you know, and just kind of doing what we're doing. Look at the revelation flow, the things that happen, where when you're in a meeting, sometimes you're all of a sudden you're hit with performance yeah. where you have to step into this thing oh okay i gotta do something or they won't come back or you know all this stuff right yeah, yeah, yeah. so you find yourself and the spirit will move in that because of the need of the people he, he 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 desires to touch their need but yet he still is looking for family and he's still looking for people to be able to like do something like this and let things flow like fluidly or we're not performing, but we're right. just whatever comes to us in the moment. And the other thing I, I, that's hitting me is 
they they already had power in them. Wow. So Jesus is with them. Most people say, oh, well, they were using the power of Jesus, and they were. Yeah, because they, they hadn't been baptized yet. They hadn't been spirit. baptized, right? right? So they weren't filled with the Spirit. So you're saying they, the power is already in them. Yeah, because He entrusted it to them. Wow. So when they went out and cast out, they're miles away from Him in another city. Just the fact that He sent them, they became the sent ones. Before the before the Holy Spirit infilled them, right? So it was Him initiating it and simply saying, "No, I declare you from in the heavenly realms." He was declaring them wow. as the sons of God, and they didn't even have the revelation of what that was, but they could still go out and take authority over the works of the enemy. That's fascinating. And then also looking at so then He commissioned them. Yeah. You know, he commissions them. So they had the authority of the Great Commission, but he said, yes. but don't do this yet. Don't, yeah. don't satisfy this order. So they had the authority from the commission. Yes. And yet he said, you wait for my spirit to come. Yeah. Because yeah. what they were about to do was going yeah. to far outweigh what had been done in the previous exactly. three years. Exactly. Yeah. And then we also likewise get to partner in that same empowerment that comes from the commission of Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And yeah. get the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ Jesus in us. Right. Amazing. But imagine the people out there right now that are actually sons and daughters, but don't know that they're sons and daughters because they haven't been, they haven't come into the revelation of sonship. But yet, ten, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus already set them free and already declared them to the Father. See, he, he wasn't just saying, he said, those that you gave me, I've given, you know, I've, I've given to you. In that sense, he wasn't saying you just gave me 12 people. He's saying that you gave me nations. Wow. And wow. so he was he was acknowledging the fact that, you know, and he was saying, I don't want them to go out to the wolves or whatever the thing was, you know, and all the stuff happening. But my point is, is that he was acknowledging something in the spirit in relationship to who he was, who they were. So to me, what the resurrection did is it did just that it empowered them by bringing them up into the revelation of sonship. And declaring them as sons and daughters of God and therefore being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because what was the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I believe it was part of bringing them into remembrance of their sonship in the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. Because he said the Holy yeah. Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things that I that, I, you know, you have learned or the things that I've taught or whatever. And I think it's beyond time because the Holy Spirit isn't subject to time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's exactly what happened when Jesus was baptized. Not that he stepped into remembrance, right. but when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and then the voice of his father came and said, here's my beloved my, son, yeah, my yeah. Weos, in, in whom I'm well pleased. So there was that, there was, you know, that, that was the Holy Spirit. And then when, uh, yeah, so that, yeah. and then also Paul would say, you know, that, that when his spirit comes inside us, right, our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. At that moment. Yeah, it awakened, that that's the awakening. Of remembrance where our spirit goes, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Man. Yeah. So if you go through Before life. our soul even gets it. Though. That's right. Like our spirit's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and our, our soul's like, what? Yeah. So because <laughs> of Jesus, you go through life and you really haven't had a revelation of God as father. But yet the whole time God looks at you and goes, that's my son. Wow. He doesn't know it yet. But that's my son. And I'm, I'm, I'm believing a time will come when he will come into the revelation of his sonship.
yeah. and therefore be empowered to go and do what he's destined to do. So where, where are you at with the whole like um, judgment thing? Um, because as, as you know, like judgment is everybody loves judgment, and um, and, uh, and judgment was a, such a huge part of the eighties, right? And um, and and hey, it's in the Bible. Like yeah. like, like we're gonna all gonna stand before the great white throne of judgment. And this isn't random. You and I have talked a little bit about yeah. kind of like a new covenant perspective of judgment. Yeah. But then actually, I got a um, a message just last night. Actually, an email just last night asking me, Darren, on your next podcast, would you talk about the great white throne of, of judgment and when believers go to that judgment seat because my friend is actually really is terrified and I thought man isn't this convenient like right, here Michael right. Danforth is in town right and um, and you love you love judgment right like like you know like you, you have this has been something that you've that you uh, that the Lord's been speaking to you on and you have um, you have a revelation yeah. of judgment for the believer and a lot of things that we call judgment that's not actually judgment at all right right and what is you know so I think um, there's yeah so would, could you speak into that a little yeah. bit because I think maybe there's like I think maybe some believers are walking in in, in fear yeah. like yeah. they're terrified of that yeah. place you know yeah I think judgment you know as we were talking earlier judgment is defined as condemnation punishment all of these intense verbiage of heaviness of being you know whatever like death and so forth and so you know, that type of thing is actually something that's taught, right? So as we're growing up, you know, you, you do something bad, you're going to be punished, right? <laughs> and so we don't really look at it like discipline. Even Jesus learned things through discipline, but he wasn't punished. So there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Mm -hmm. One is based, uh, discipline is correction. It's all of these things. Actually, Jesus had to grow up too. It says he grew up into the stature, meaning he had to grow up into the maturity of, of that life that was in him. And so... But it didn't happen through being punished. It happened through being disciplined. So he learned discipline by the things that he went through, all the stuff that was going on, where we live in a punished mentality because of the ancient days, Old Testament times, all of this stuff, and it carries over. And then people are look like, okay, if I get out of line, God's going to punish me. So it's unfortunate that even when we see things where 17 you know, kids are killed and people yeah. can just mess that up and go, oh, well, it's because of sin, it's because of all this stuff. But yet, if if punishment isn't like to God, if, if you have kids, you're not going to punish them to death, right? Yeah. I know there's people who do that, but it's because of their own hurt, their own dysfunction, all this stuff that goes on, but that's not the heart and mind of God. Is there is there like a, a punishment, like is, as far as uh, under the old covenant, is there like, within the character and nature of God, God as punisher that you, that, you know what I'm saying? Could you say that punishment was, was a part of the old covenant or, or if somebody were, were teaching that God was like the original punisher. Yeah. In the old, I, I that think, it's, it's been missed, that that's just been misdiagnosed or, or yeah. um, misinterpreted. Yeah. I think the reason that we even see a level of that that appears in the Old Testament is because the law was a tutor to faith. So all the things that were going were being orchestrated in such a way because God was actually preparing people for sonship. Yeah. And so that's why prophets, when they had to be exact. In other words, there was no like grays in the sense of what it was like, no, you're going to do it this way or I'm going to remove that because I'm laying a future foundation for things to come. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it was 
was a tutor to what was to come. So there were certain things that had to be that were very legalistic, whether it was sacrifices, all of this stuff, but it pointed to something very spiritual, very sonship. And so, uh, you know, I've always say that in, and when it comes to punishment, like in this time, it's, it's actually something we create. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a prophet and I speak about, I see something in the future and I see something horrible coming or whatever, if I see that down the road, I have two choices to make. One is I look at that and go, wow, that's something that's, that's going to happen. And then I have to think, what, is, what does God expect me to do? As, as a son that is seeing that, that's actually going to bring injury to his people, what does he expect me to do? I believe he wants me to intervene, like stop that from happening. So there's some people, I call it the perversion of prophecy, yeah. where to, and it, they want to be accurate at the expense of death. So, in other words, they see something afar off and go, oh, this is going to happen as if there's nothing you can do about it. And then they go, see, I told you, oh, that person's a prophet, right? Yeah, yeah all this stuff happened. Oh, yeah, geez, you know, and, and it creates, so it creates this fear. It's like, oh, yeah, if you don't line up, God's going to punish you. He's going to do, but yet we know that it's, it's the love of God that leads people to repentance, not that punishment mentality, which is really an old school thing out of an old line, and even that's perverted, Right. So I believe that there is a prophecy that's coming in the future where there is going to be people are going to say, hey, I've seen this thing coming. This thing is going to happen, but we're going to intervene. Right. And it also reminds me of the conversation we were having about the Indonesia tsunami and even these things. You realize that all of these things that go on the earth, God is always warning, like, look, this is going on. Look at all the warnings before the shooting. Even the students like, yeah, we knew that that was going to happen anytime. FBI, we knew we got these signs, but that we just didn't follow right. them, all of the stuff, right? Right, right, right. That is the nature of God, is that He's not wanting to catch anybody's surprise in the sense okay. like, oh, you know, yeah, see, you know, da da, surprise, death, you know, just the, I mean, that's not my father. Yeah. So He's given us the means to see into the future, to intervene in that, create the correction. And the Lord was always saying, look, the reason that's there is because you're creating it. God isn't creating it. Yeah. We're creating it. Yeah, and a lot of people, um, when something bad happens, they'll, if they don't have a, a gospel-centered right. viewpoint, they'll yep. say that this is God punishing me yep. for something I did. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I've said this statement in the past that you know that my punishment. So this is kind of I want to throw this statement, yeah. you know, at you because maybe this is an old school kind of kind of thing but like I would I'd make the statement that my punishment your punishment fell on Jesus mm -hmm. you know all of it so that when bad things happen that's just an opportunity for the father to come and exercise his fatherly faithfulness within your trial but is that even a is that can that statement eat on the cross did our punishment fall on Jesus or is that bad terminology yeah I think that's a little bit of bad ter terminology yeah okay yeah I think the key is is that Jesus like the Bible says it's appointed once for every man to die yeah then death and the judgment right yeah so that means that we started out because of the law because of law sin and death we had an appointment with death yeah so in that sense Jesus met the appointment that we had yeah so he goes and he meets the appointment of death as a divine interventor to bring us into the 
the resurrection of sonship sure. and therefore saying the appointment that you had with death I actually met for you yeah so you don't have to die that death again right yeah and so because of that we are brought into what we now know as the new covenant sure, sure. which means when you come into the new covenant you no longer have an appointment with death but you have an appointment with life amen <laughs> totally. and so that's why we call it resurrection life but doesn't Paul even say that like that Christ became a, propiti- a propitiation yeah right? that like he essentially absorbed God's yeah. wrath yeah and I think that's what what, is, yeah I think that's what it is it's, I call it superimposition yeah so he was he was he superimposed he literally laid over us in the sense of becoming the sacrifice okay but the final ultimate sacrifice for the purpose of bringing us up into the revelation removing the guilt removing the law of sin and death the punishment of it yeah. which was death right I'm going to remove that for you I'm going to become the ultimate sacrifice for you totally so I'm totally. breaking that so in that sense yes he became that ultimate uh, you know uh, in because without that, you know, we wouldn't be able to enter into the revelatory life that we have or the understanding of sonship and yeah. being able to do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. Margaret, are you going to say something? Would you um, address co- we are being co-crucified with Christ? There are those that have seen themselves co-crucified with Christ. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that the passage of Scripture where we are crucified in Christ is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Yeah, and the life that I now live, I live. Yeah. Well, to me, what that means is that when he died, I died. Right. Yeah. And so in that sense, when he was born, I was born. So in that sense that uh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a new creation. Old things passed away, all things have become new. And so again, I liken that to the reality that Jesus, when he went to the cross, I went to the cross. And when he died, I died. When he was resurrected, I was resurrected. So therefore, when he was enthroned, I became enthroned. And so in that sense, it's all done in him. So he's saying, I'm the gateway, I'm the doorway, so you come through me. And I think even that idea that, you know, no one comes to the Father except by me or through me, it's through that revelation. It's through the understanding of what he did that I have to pass through that understanding, through that blood, so to speak. I heard someone say, and I love this, that when Jesus bled, he didn't bleed into the ground, he bled into us. And therefore, the DNA was transferred into us. So we have that DNA, wow. right? That, wow. uh, I think the first person I heard say that was Mark Steen. And Mark Steen was talking about an experience that he had, and he saw Jesus bleeding, and it was bleeding in the ground. And the Lord said, it didn't bleed in the, into the earthly ground. He bled into you. This wow. treasure is in earthen vessels. So it's all about DNA. Wow. So when Jesus went to the cross, it was a way for him to transfer DNA to us. Once we went, came into the DNA, like your old DNA was done away with, right? So that means you actually, your cells were actually regenerated into the cellular level of sonship in the Father. And so in that sense, we're being swallowed up by immortality because the blood that actually flows through me is immortal blood. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Anyhow, it's a little no, out there, good. but it's good. It's good. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and just for 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 Christians, for son, you know, for sons, daughters um, <laughs> that have that that have fear of 
of death and and the judgment yeah. and because i mean <laughs> have you guys heard it said before that when you die there's going to be like a screen like a big screen and like your whole life is going to be played yeah, and like right. <laughs> you know that everything that was done in secret is right, going to be yeah. shown in 3d right. on god's imax screen and, you know <laughs> You're gonna, yeah. You were forgiven on earth, but when you go to heaven, you will be shamed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Uh, So, could you speak into anyone listening that, like, like they feel forgiven here, but they're like terrified that when they go to heaven, that they're gonna get shamed and judged, and it's gonna be like, like you get to come into heaven, but. Yeah, but everyone's going to know who you really right, were. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I'm I, this book I just wrote called uh, How to Forget Unwanted Memories. One of the things that I zero in on is And that's your new book that's yeah, coming out. Yeah. How to Forget Unwanted, unwanted memories. memories. Yeah. And 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 the idea is not just forgetting them but erasing them. Yes. And because he he casts our sin as far as the east or from the west, blotting them out literally as if it never happened. So that is God's perception of us. So think about this. He did that on the cross, like wiping it out as far as the east and the west. I don't, I, you did what? I don't remember that. But it's a choice that he made. So just because he makes a decision to blot something out means that's as if it never happened. Wow. So imagine then when you go from this life into eternity, it's not like, okay, yeah, I'm going to remember that now. No. Right. He already blotted it out through the blood because the blood of Jesus is powerful enough not just to forgive but to erase wow. as if you never went that way. That's Incredible. And that person never existed. I remember years ago, I heard Catherine Coleman, uh, you know, she went through some ups and downs in her life, you know, went out of ministry and, and just had some stuff that she got involved in. She got, came back out of that, went back into ministry. And a person walked up to her like a year or two later. And, uh, and they're like, oh, Catherine, it's so good to see you. And, and I was watching the video of this, right? Oh, Catherine, it's so good to see you. She's telling it. Oh, Catherine, so good to see you and everything. I'm glad you know that you're back and you know and how are you doing and she went into some other saint like her old self and she looked and she goes honey you know how she talked <laughs> honey that person died a long time ago oh, like good. she wasn't yeah. even going to entertain it like that it doesn't even exist in wow. my vocabulary right wow. but it hit me I was like that's what it is it's as if it never happened and that's how God and it's hard for people to do that and let me say this punishment or judgment judgment is a real deal in this sense that we have the ability to judge things yes and which is a level of discernment we have the ability to discern things that are not good things that are outside of christ things that are contrary to the will of god so in that sense we can judge another thing if i wanted to step into a realm of judgment i can actually judge spiritual things okay and so therefore i can implement the judgment of god which is actually the love of god I can exercise that over any type of spiritual thing that is contrary to the heart and mind of God for his people. So in that sense, I can release God's judgment in this sense that, no, you're not going to do this. You were you were disarmed. You were rendered powerless. Right. So I think what we do is we get that mixed with the flesh. Right. And and so it wants to become a natural judgment rather than a spiritual thing. And yeah gets a little bit messed up oh that's really good yeah that, that's excellent <laughs> and, and i'm excited about the, the revelation some of the stuff that you're teaching on today about like um as far as like our ability to to supernaturally affect natural creation mm. through our new create 
our mm. new creation reality, our new creation state. And part of the reason why we're not affecting natural creation is because we're we're ignorant of yeah, right. who we actually are yeah. in Christ, but that we are that we are in a, a massive era of awakening, and it's and it's coming everywhere. And, it, and this is like this is a. Like I would say, like like some people are revivalists. You're kind of like an awakener. Like you yeah. are like uh, you're bringing like not just the message of like of a of a typical traditional revival meeting, but you're you're like doing everything possible, just short of sinning, to bring people into this revelation that you are a manifested yeah. son. Yeah. So manifest, aren't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. And dang it, like come you know, on. I have we have farmers like in our relationship. You know, they're big time farmers. Yeah. And one of the things I spoke about a number of years ago, I said, with a with a sonship mentality, what does future farming look like? So if I walk out on a piece of land right now, you have to labor, you have to toil the land, you have to turn it up, do all those things, right? Go through the process. Future farming is when you actually plant the seed, and when the seed is planted, as you're moving along, it's actually growing up behind you. Wow. And, and, Uh. and, and, And that's kind of out there. People are like, what? Yeah, because what happens is once you come into sonship and you enter out of the old into the new, then the thing that was a curse actually in the beginning with Adam where you will now have to labor by the sweat of your brow all of this we come out of that labor so then it's just sonship all I got to do is plant the seed and and when the seed hits the ground it will immediately begin to rise up so there will be no so it's it's supernatural farming right and and what it is it's creation responding to the power of sonship and and so even like the the fig leaves you know when Jesus cursed them, yeah. it wasn't the tree itself. It was because Adam and Eve in the beginning were covered with fig leaves. Wow. And so the idea of cursing that was cursing an old covering oh, wow. that yeah. was represented. Yeah. So it was like, no, you're no longer that. Yeah. And so anyhow, but yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, um, did you ever meet Millie? Millie Bennett? Millie, no, I haven't met her. I'm a, I'm aware of, yeah, I've listened to her a couple of times. She's yeah. got that cabin out there, you know, in the UK, wherever she's at, it, it, outside of London or somewhere. Mm. And um, she, she's got has the Cat in the Academy, and I don't know if she's still doing that or not, but she used to talk about how like. Um, like the flowers in her garden would grow towards her cabin and not towards the sun, mm. you know? And then, and then she would also talk about like when she would go to, when she would go to heaven, like literally, literally she would go like completely, she'd take her body to heaven. And when she would come back, she'd be tan. In fact, when she came here in January, 2016, it looked like she had been tanning. Wow. And, uh, and she goes, no, that's just, that's just a glow that I get, you know, from going, mm. from, from going to heaven. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, I think that's just like a prototype, like, yeah, like the first of, of, of a generation It is where, it is. where creation will, yeah. will, um, will will be drawn to us yeah be responded and i love i love because you see that a lot actually with a lot of the words that you release and a lot of stuff that you're walking there will be like manifestations within creation within the heavens that's right that follow what you're releasing yeah the idea of going to heaven by the spirit is actually just one of the first couple of stages of engaging with heaven the object is is that your physical body does go with you 
So we're coming into a time and season that when you go to heaven, you will disappear. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so that's the life of Mark Steen right now for anybody who knows him, where he goes to heaven lots and he just disappears. And it's hard for people to fathom that. But his family has been his kids have been raised with a father as you know his wife be like when your dad gets back meaning he's in another realm when he returns i need him to take out the garbage and i need him to do this and that and mark is the guy mark is the guy whose whose brain is non-functioning yes so like yeah. when they hook up like when they hook up things to see the what's happening his brain is non-functioning ever since a major yeah, right uh, he got hit by a truck or something uh, he was on a bike and a, okay. and a, a truck had a ladder and he hit it with such a force that one of the legs of the ladder went through his head yeah and he got and then his head got ran over yeah so he had to learn how to um how to host his body yeah yeah from his spirit right, right. is that yeah. am i saying that yeah right? god would catch he, he would catch him up and recalibrate him yeah and re actually redo his whole yeah someone gave me his name because i was prophetically speaking about how restoration would hit the earth physically and things would be restored and so they sent me a story that he was telling about when he walked down this alleyway and it was all broken down the lights were you know off and the windows were broken and the lord had him walk down this alleyway and everything got restored as he walked down and it turned completely new and when he turned back around it deteriorated and the lord said do it again and he walked down and everything was restored man and it was yeah. the power the ultimate vis uh, manifestation of restoration where everything in the natural is affected because everything in the natural is actually light related wow. so uh, everything that looks solid but it's actually because of the frequency of light and so forth that makes it appear that way so because of that when we move in that realm of sunship everything gets restored and you were processing about this year being a year of, of light is yeah, that, yeah that it was right? actually 216 was a year of light where okay. barriers would be broken. And then 217, he said that there would be a year of fire. And I mean, and that's when we saw all the, just the crazy, the crazy fires stuff. Yeah, everywhere. yeah, yeah. And sometimes the natural, I'm always careful, prophetically speaking something, because I don't want to be like, prophesying disaster right yeah, yeah yeah and so i was seeing all these fires i'm like oh no you know and but sometimes i notice the natural realm will respond to something like it gets kind of sucked into that and but words like if i say suck or i uh, like sucked into it or vacuum <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this sucks. That sucks but uh if i say vacuum or yeah. something like that vacuums based on emptiness you know like i was sharing the other right. night about a vacuum cleaner right, right. so imagine something being filled up where the vacuum becomes less that's how vacuum cleaner works once it fills up then the vacuum isn't as strong right 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 and so what that is is emergence where all of a sudden we we enter into the fullness of you know the kingdom and the spirit and then the vacuum becomes less because we're becoming a part of that yeah and you were saying that light was going to become like the new uh currency yeah and that, yeah. that line i mean i the lord just yeah. spoke to me just recently about the glory of the lord becoming the new currency of, of, yeah. of, of the church and i i tied that right into what you were saying yeah yeah. You know, the glory in his light becoming a new actual valuable yeah. currency. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's technology in heaven, but it's light related. So imagine technology that seems very mechanical, yeah. very ancient here in heaven. There's amazing technology, but it's all light related. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it so, stuff that you've seen, like, 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 during yeah, just different, kind of... different things that I didn't recognize or understand or whatever until I got around other people, and I was like, oh my gosh, I saw that. I, I wasn't sure, you know, what that, and I was like, yeah, it was light, and so whether it's food or whether it's all light related, you get the pleasure of the taste, you get the pleasure of the experience, but it's just light, and so it's just all the. And right now, there's kids. Remember, we talked about Josiah, fire. Yeah. And Josiah is an autistic boy, you know, uh, and very autistic in the sense of his ability to function. But he goes to heaven all the time. He's got been there, going there since he was six years old. I think now he's 12 or 13. And he goes and entertains these realms. And it's just powerful. And he talks about all of these things, factories in heaven, wow. how they make things. And really? his, he met his grandpa there. His grandpa's yeah. like a supervisor of a factory. And, his, and he never even met him before. For until he got to heaven and he's telling his mom yeah I met grandpa and, that, and she's like what and we, yeah he's, he works at a factory and she's like what a factory yeah he, he creates apple dares you know she's like apple dares and it's all done supernaturally but wow. it's still and that's when the Lord reminded or it was an affirmation everything in the natural reflects something in the spirit like the tabernacle when Moses built was a type of shadow so the trees the water the mountains they're all duplicates of things in heaven but you're looking at the dumb sound dumb dumbed down version of what it looks supernaturally yeah you know know that uh what's her name um pink hair lady katie oh um care as a cat 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 right right yeah yeah um it's not Katy Perry, you know that. Yeah, she's got she's got pink hair yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. you know, it's funny because we have so many speakers that come through here from so many different streams. Mm, yeah. And um, and so it's funny because everybody's got an opinion of her, you know. And it's really funny because um, yeah, you know, and like and all good people, we only have good people come through here, right, Michael? <laughs> right. Um, but everybody's got an opinion, and and um, uh, except for me, I just listen. I just sit there and listen. I'm sure she's amazing. I'm sure she's awesome. But like, it's so funny because one of the most controversial things that I've heard come up like two or three times is that people get. Um, I should be careful because some of these people might be listening to this podcast. <laughs> but people are like, she says that she was on a roller coaster in heaven. <laughs> that she was riding a roller coaster in heaven with Jesus. Look. There are not roller coasters. You know, yeah. so, like, so that was my question, right? Like, are there like are there roller coasters? And 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 because it because you know, it's a fascinating question when you think about because you think about like a roller coaster. Like we we have roller coasters yeah, on right. Earth because they simulate danger, but it's controlled. Right. It's a controlled experience that simulates danger, and so therefore it, it's fun. It's fun because it feels like you're going to die, but you're not going to, right? <laughs> you know? Right. And so, but if we had now, here's the question: If we're about to go deep here, if we yeah. no, if we had wings and we could fly, or if we could fly without wings, yeah. would there still be roller coasters? Right. Yeah, I think, I think again, get this, get this. So get this. The, the object is, I mean, fun's really a good thing, right? The life flow, all of that, right? Yeah. I was reminded of a, a story Josiah tells about his mom was like, well, how do you go to heaven when you're sleeping or whatever? And he goes, oh, an angel comes and picks me up in this awesome ride. Wow. You know, like this. Yeah. She goes, what? Yeah, it's, it's, it, you would think it was a spaceship. But yeah, I get to go around Saturn. He'll take me around all of these different Whoa. things in space and show me all of these galaxies. And, and we 
just move like fast as light. Oh, but amazing. oh, mom, it's like one of the funnest things, you know. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, right? It's just like I'm thinking, wow, that beats any roller coaster. And when you were saying roller coaster, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think Cat Kerr says this, but one of the thing I saw with the roller coaster is light rails. So it's based on light, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, there's yeah. no end to the track. It's not like you're in a little just a thing, right? Yeah. You can, anyhow. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I do like that. Uh, I think he's the Baptist, Randy Alcorn, that wrote the book on heaven. You know, the famous, I don't know if you've ever, um, have you heard of the book called Heaven? Uh there's several of them called Heaven. Well, there? It's just Heaven. It's written by oh. Randy Alcorn, and he's like a, a very respected Baptist. Mm. Uh, but he, I, I feel like he took some. Like it's a great book, actually. It's a mm. great book, and I feel like it's actually really quite revelatory and biblical. Mm. No offense to all the mm. Baptists listening, but for a Baptist, it's really quite right. revelatory. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Because basically, what he's saying is that he that everything on earth is just a reflection. Mm. of of the true and perfect that mm. every everything that we have here that we place value on from transportation transportation yeah, right. to oh, cool. to yeah. amusement that what we have here is just that it's a cheap imitation mm. of like of the true and perfect yeah. that's in the and I also love it because he he wrote the same book heaven for kids where there's I think on the cover there's like a kid riding like a brontosaurus and so it's the idea of dominion over creation mm. and that with the restoration of all things, mm. the restoration of all things would be even the restoration of all created things, which yeah. would involve dinosaurs. Right, everything. So that yeah. dinosaurs will be a part of the of the restoration of all things and we will have dominion over dinosaurs. Therefore, a child could ride a, yeah. a, a brontosaur. Yeah. And then you... And, and then, yeah. Yeah, so if you take it the next... the Even further than that, so dinosaurs represent an era of time or whatever, but then you have to enter into all of the other creatures around the throne, all of the other things <laughs> that are unlike anything that has ever been seen before, where that becomes a part of the habitat, right? Because all of it is a reflection of the glory of God. And so that's why a time will come as the glory of God increases. It's like pouring water. That's why the Bible uses it in reference to water. When the water increases, then the life that is living in that manifests. So that means as the glory increases, that means that the living creatures that are in a realm of glory and carry that, they begin to manifest in this realm. Wow. Wow. And anyhow, wow. become powerful. Yeah, come on. This has been fun, man. Yeah, it's been it's awesome. Been good. It's a good deal. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Much love. <laughs> Hey guys, hope that you enjoyed today's audio content. I know I'm sure enjoying creating it for you. Please take the time to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. To do that, just go to thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star. That means that you think it was a little lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think it was off the chain. Also, don't forget to subscribe. That'll keep this audio content flowing right onto your audio device, whether it be your phone, tablet, or computer, automatically. So every week, the latest audio content will flow right onto your audio device, and you'll be ready to go. Last but not least, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, click the little heart. That just means that you loved what you heard today. And don't forget, sharing is caring. We'll talk real soon. Love you guys. Blessings.